Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter, Ecknerwall23. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked On Socks on Twitter, Instagram. And thank you for making Locked On Socks your first listen every day. And Locked On Socks is free and available on a lot of platforms, including Locked On Socks on YouTube. If you want to leave us a voice message, and a lot of you have, 312 566 8727 is the way you can do that, or Locked On Socks at gmail.com. Without any further ado, it is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how's your evening? You know, uh, it's going well. You know, thank you for making us your first listen, and also uh, in a night like tonight, your your final listen of the night. Maybe you're winding down, getting ready for bed. You're listening to the dulcet tones of myself and Herb Lawrence, uh, bitching and complaining here to put you fast asleep. Uh, like we're like the call map, uh, but for White Sox anxiety, we got some calls that we had left on the table from the other night, and you know. As the days move on here and the and the days peel off the calendar and, you know, you, you get to thinking about this White Sox season and how it's it's gone. Our summer companion is gone. We thought it would be a deep postseason run. It's gone. And I don't know if I feel any better about it than I, than I did the other day. You know, once these games start up again um, and you have baseball teams that are playing and your team isn't one of those teams playing, it's it still stings a little bit. And I am a White Sox um, I, I like to stay positive or at the very least to uh, take a measured approach. That's kind of my gimmick here is a rational thought provider. And uh, sometimes you know, that can be difficult, um, you know, and sometimes not so much. But I got to thinking about this, this White Sox thing. And yes, there are situations where teams are in the postseason seemingly every year the Astros you know in their fifth consecutive ALCS you know the, the Cubs making it I think it was four in a row uh, four straight NLCSs and you know the Nationals seemed like they were in the postseason every single year the Dodgers are, are there every year and they only got a chance to win one finally last season so you the, so you know there's teams with multiple cracks at it and you hope this White Sox team is one of them but I can't help but go back to that feeling of unfinished business and being kind of back to where we started when we, when we began the year about taking the next step and just feeling like this was a, 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 a total failure. There's a lot of things to be, to feel good about, but when your team is sitting there watching other teams who uh, they could have really competed with, it, it's still tough a, a couple of days uh, away from, removed from this thing. But what do you think? You know, I just, sometimes with the, the, every chance in the postseason is sacred, as we've said many times in the season. And I think now as the further we've gotten removed from it, I, I feel more of that than, uh, you know, sort of not relief or acceptance. I, I still feel the, man, a wasted opportunity for this season. Yeah, I feel the same way. It is a ridiculous um, thing to feel that this is a failure. It's not overall. Like, like if we go for the whole um, thing that we're looking for, yes, 
we wanted to get to and win the World Series. So in that sense of the word, yes, it is a failure. But to make the postseason multiple times is a good thing. But first time in anyone's history, if you're a White Sox fan, my dad never saw it. Exactly. You know, his dad never saw it. So that's a kind of a win. But yeah, the bar but, has changed. Yeah, like exactly. So we're not like I think we're past the fact of the White Sox have had a bad history. Like we've acknowledged that. And now we're at the expectation point of we're good. So let's not look at White Sox history. This being the best time of White Sox. Uh, being a White Sox fan, if you're born in this time, got to see a World Series win, that's awesome. But we have to have loftier goals. Beginning of this season, I said ALCS would be the minimum that I would accept. And that's where I'm at. Losing in the first round, especially the way we did, is damn disappointing. It is a disappointing season. Let's say that. The whole season, 2021, when I look back at it, is a disappointing season. That's what I'm going to remember it for. The guys got killed in the playoffs. And maybe it's not their fault altogether. The team wasn't prepared. The team, if you're looking at the right fielder, is Larry Garcia, who is a good fifth outfielder or fourth outfielder and fifth infielder. He shouldn't be starting all four games. And we shouldn't have Cesar Hernandez on the team because he is not of that caliber. So... When I look back at this season, I, I, you should have fond memories, but I have more negative things than positive things right now as this Houston Astros throttling is fresh in my mind. Yeah, I agree. And things that don't make it easier, the day after uh, the season ends, you go to the Harvester of Sorrow, uh, not talking about Metallica and Paul Konerko's uh, entrance music, his walk-up music. I'm talking about uh, Bob Nightingale who gets out to tweeting again the day after. The White Sox body isn't even cold yet, and he tweets this. The Chicago White Sox are expected to pick up reliever Craig Kimbrell's $16 million option and then trade him during the winter. He badly struggled as a setup man, allowing 31 base runners in 23 innings, including a 5.09 earned run average. There will be plenty of teams looking for closers. What the hell, Herb? Why? I, I don't. There's so much here that we need to get into about this tweet. We know Bob Nightingale has become uh, a, a leak for White Sox things. Sometimes I, I think he's used as disinformation, but either way, he's known to do Jerry and Kenny's bidding. And he was right on it with the Tony Larusa hiring. He, he said when the Sox were, were broke and they didn't have any more money to spend. Um, he's been wrong about some stuff, too. You know, the the, uh, the Eduardo uh, Escobar thing. Uh, i got to pull that up right now for those of you guys and girls who don't remember. Uh, we covered it on this show, <laughs> oh, but for if some reason you don't remember uh, at the trade deadline, uh, a, a very late-night tweet, I believe it was on a, on a Saturday night, uh, Bob Nightingale tweeted this. Uh, about potential White Sox, uh, you know, a guy they were suiting uh, in Eduardo Escobar, the Sox badly needing a second baseman at the time. And this is what uh, Bob Nightingale had tweeted. Eduardo Escobar, four for five with a double and a homer and five RBI, and soon on his way from the D-backs to the White Sox, 
is about to end the D-backs 24-game road losing streak before he departs. They're up 10 to nothing in the eighth over the Padres. That was it, it, The guy was still playing in the game, and Bob Nightingale's like, oh, he's going to be on the Sox before the night is over, basically. So there are, has been some instances where he's been way off. Now, we never got clarity because we'll never probably get clarity on names and how trades break down, but there were some injury issues on both sides of that deal. I think we know why that fell apart, but um, either way, that that's a thing that did not happen, but it was very close to happening, so Bob is still well-sourced in that regard. But I ask you, Herb, what the hell did you make of that tweet when you saw it? I Very rarely do I tweet about the Sox, especially in the offseason. I usually mm-hmm. try to save my, my thoughts for this show. But I was not happy upon seeing that tweet because I don't understand any of it, why it would be put out there, and the logic behind the the transaction. What what what, what did you make of that tweet about Craig Kimbrell from Bob Nightingale? It makes zero sense. It kills your trade leverage. If you're going to get them and trade them away, and teams know this, your leverage on that team is sullied because you've already announced please, that. Hey, c- please this- call him sullied. <laughs> And so what's what's the por- what's the purpose of this? Like like if you need to have this announced, you have back channels to go through, not Bob Nightingale to get the information out. And what like I don't understand the purpose. Like why would you as a White Sox executive send out this type of information? Like we speculated as with the Eduardo Escobar stuff Sometimes they send out bad stuff so Bob can look like, oh, no, he's not our guy. Look at the dumb stuff he wrote about Escobar. <laughs> look at the dumb stuff he wrote about Craig Kibrell. Of course, then, then it's 2021 or 2022, and he's on the White Sox in May and stuff. <laughs> Bob, what an idiot, even though they are giving his stuff. Uh, him that stuff so because rick rick did dunk on him right it was so i'm trying to remember when when he dunked on him if it was during the liam hendricks press conference or mm-hmm. if it was at the trade deadline but they did you know mention like oh some some people were reporting this that and third right we we called it exactly nope, as, as nobody, it happened yeah, nobody in this room though <laughs> yeah so but it's a song and dance right with 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 the media and the front office like you do this mm-hmm. favor for us we'll do one for you but you may have to fall on the sword about something bad so yeah it happens but i agree with you man like, I don't understand the point of it. I don't know if it's just because there's been this thing, this underlying current that a lot of Sox fans have been talking about on this show and on 670 The Score. I see the texts. I see the tweets. But this whole uh, ex-Cub factor thing of Craig Kimbrell, which I, I think makes the the angst a lot more visceral uh, from mm-hmm. White Sox fans just because he came from the Cubs. Now, don't, never mind Ryan Tapera, who's a really good pickup, and even he was the only guy that pitched well in the postseason. You could say what you want about his comments and how, oh, he, they lost. The Astros decided they wanted to beat the Sox ass because yeah. of what Ryan Tapera said. No, that's not how it works, folks. Uh, they're already better than you. Uh, but this, this anti-Cub sentiment with, with Craig Kimbrell and – you know, people act like that. That's why he sucked, or that's why they want him out of here even sooner. Don't never mind that Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease were former Cubs as well. Uh, let's not even mention that. But I, you know, I think that's a big part of this. Is like you saw this guy in a Cub uniform and all the hoopla surrounding him when he came over uh, in uh, it was a 2018, middle of 2018, 2019, whatever it was. So they they look at Craig Kimbrell as this symbol of Cubs failure and why you shouldn't do business with the Cubs and how he was a, a double agents and COINTELPRO and all this stuff but I think that's a huge part of it so I'm wondering like if this was a whole thing like the Sox fans are looking for a pound of flesh right now so let's say we're going to get rid of Craig Kimbrell 
and that'll that'll appease the the, the meatballs out there. But I, I I don't understand the thought process of why I put that out there. And let's let's be real here. Craig Kimbrell is not the reason they lost that series to the Astros. Yes, he gave up that bomb in Game One, but that game was uh, out of reach by, by that point. I think the Sox were not going to come back. Um, they, they did make an effort there. So even if you want to put that one on Craig Kimbrell, that's just one game out of the three. We get back to the no extra base hits until game three uh, mm-hmm. as a big factor, and the starting pitchers couldn't go deep in the game. So Craig Kimbrell is not why you you won the division. He's not why you lost the ALDS. Um, they bungled it from the beginning, and I just don't understand why you would, would float this out there. Like, don't you think – there's a team that, you know, Bob says a lot of teams looking to acquire a closer. Let me think the team that just sent your ass home, the Houston Astros, and, and what they've done with their pitch lab. And, you know, you see Lance McCullers and what he's able to do. Like, every, you know, everyone that comes over, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, all the things they're able to do. You don't think they'd like to work with a, a guy like Craig Kimbrell at the back end of their bullpen? Like, they could use him right now. You know, mm-hmm. I don't understand that. Like, I, they probably won't trade him to an American League team, but still – you are at the big boy table now. You know you are playing big boy baseball in October, and you'd be dealing him away to a potential opponent. Whether it's probably going to be in the World Series, so I I don't understand that aspect at all. And what really grinds my gears about this thing is what I want to know from Rick Hahn during his season-ending uh, press conference, which I believe will be next week. I was on that Tim Anderson call today, and they said they'll have more information at the end of this week for next week about Rick Hahn, uh, not specifically, but. Usually, all the players are gone by by next week, and so it's got to be Rick Hahn uh, who's going to be on the call. But I would like to know, first and foremost, how did he break? I want to know how did he break. I want to know the second thing, which my larger point is, you. so by trading him, you're telling me that you can't fix him. You're just admitting defeat, and you have no solutions for this. This guy is going to be in the Hall of Fame. And he was good when you acquired him, and then he just became ungood. So you're telling me you don't know how to fix him, which is a, a big worry, worrisome sign for me. And you know, it's just I, I don't. You're telling me you don't know how he broke, can't fix him, and I'd like to know also what happened and, and with with Tony, what happened with Craig, what was the thought process like with with Liam Hendricks, and what were the, those conversations like when you acquired him? that led you to be in this spot like that. I want to know so much, but above all, I want to know what broke and how do you plan to fix it? Not, um, I, I rather pay someone to not be on my team. That doesn't make any sense as far as what the white Sox and how they do business. Yeah. And like you were saying right there, there's gotta be a conversation and I know probably it happened quickly where Craig was available and Rick had to pull the trigger, but there had to be a conversation. Hey, Tony, I'm about to get, the guy who's the best closer in the in the whole league right now. I know we got Liam and Liam's doing all right. Liam's doing good. He's an all-star, but we need to have this guy as the closer. This is his role. He's had mix-ups with the Cubs a couple of years ago where he was off and his mental was off and he couldn't pitch right. So until further notice, are you willing to have this guy as your closer? Yeah, I'm I'm signed off on that. That's good. Go ahead. Or, no, I don't want that. My guy is my guy. You can get him, but I'm going to do it my way. And in that conversation, you got to know, pull the trigger or not. Because if the guy who I'm getting is not going to be used correctly the way I want him to be used, and 
used in the most effective way for the team, then there's no reason to give away a young second baseman and a young promising right uh, relief pitcher and Cody Hoyer. So those conversations had to be had. If they weren't had, that's Rick Hahn's fault. He messed up big time. You just can't throw that onto Tony without knowing his plan for him. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, those questions have to be asked. And I wish that the Bears media was with them. And I'm not saying the White Sox media is bad. They just are more friendly. They're more chummy. They're not asking journalistic questions to him. Now, James is. James is really solid. Love James. But we're just way too chummy with Rick. Oh, Rick, uh, Michigan, uh, Northwestern. Uh, oh, you sold the joke. Oh, your dog's barking in the background. That's so funny. No, ask him real questions. Can we be journalists for a second? And I think- enjoy that they're going to be good next year. Great. that You're going to have another postseason check for yourself. Awesome. But did the man do his job? Did, we do, did he do his due diligence? Or is he signing Adam Eaton unchecked? Doing stuff like that. Chuck, uh, I love it, man, because he said things when my father passed. That's sweet for you. That's awesome for you. But is that the good move for the team that's on the field? No. Come on now. Yeah, I, I think uh, that the tone will be much different, at least I hope. And, you know, we certainly, uh, you know, have the power to jump on these conference calls and ask the questions ourselves, but I don't want to overstep uh, because there is a, a bit of a methodology, uh, methodology to how these questions are asked. And these beat reporters often work in, in tandem and, and they, you know, they, they have a, a goal in mind. And I think football is a little bit more adversarial because the inherent nature of, of NFL coaches and how they don't want to give you anything so you have to be a lot more direct and you're only dealing with them a couple times a week sometimes though in baseball you're dealing with players and coaches a lot lot more frequent but but you do have a point um, and I guess we just have to wait and see. I'm going to reserve judgment until Rick Khan sits down with the media. And, you know, I don't think it'll be a chummy vibe, you know. Hopefully not. Uh, yeah. And like, as, like you said, I, we could ask, but we're not journalists. I would ask in a, in a way that would be disrespectful. <laughs> I'm not a journalist. If Rick is listening and somebody knows Rick, ask him that I asked. Rick, did you have that conversation with Tony LaRusso? If not, that's on you. Here's what if I he did. And he fucked up. That's on him. Here's what I think happened with that. Just you know, I, I, they mentioned early on how they were going to try to alternate closers, and I think that was a very solid plan. But it they just never they never really got into a rhythm with it. Like you know, they, the Sox were they they were sputtering at the time of the trade deadline, and they never really got into a rhythm where they could roll out a different closer every night because they didn't have leads and they weren't really hitting. And you know, that was before a lot of the guys started coming back from injury. So I think their 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 plan, although a good plan, it eventually it was it's proven it proved to be a flawed plan because you know there's other things that factor into a baseball game uh before that ninth inning and they just weren't able to get into a rhythm and tony you know cutting craig's balls off there in tampa and then admitting admitting it after the fact like that was that was big and i think you can you may be able to look at that it's never one thing usually but that's the closest thing you'll see is is when you know he pulls him out after uh getting walking the first runner and then stri- you think striking out the next two and then he pulls him for Aaron Bummer the Sox eventually go on to win that game but you know Craig was not happy after that that outing and maybe it could have worked after that uh, but Liam Hendricks you know he struggled a bit around that time as well um, but eventually he he shored things up and he was awesome. But also Rakan at the beginning of the season called Liam Hendricks an outgetter. Let's never forget that. Like that always stuck with me on opening day back when Tony didn't know how to use Liam Hendricks. Remember that? 
when they, they came off that road trip on the West Coast and there were several high leverage spots in the in the eighth inning and then seventh inning where you could have used Liam Hendricks to, to you know tilt the momentum uh, tilt the pendulum of the game and it never happened and then Rick came back on the home opener and said you know what Liam Hendricks is an outgetter and we're going to deploy him as such and Tony's going to deploy him how he sees fit so this is very uh, complicated and hopefully we get some clarity here but look at us man already 20 minutes into this uh, let's take a time out here and we'll maybe take one quick call before we wrap it up by the way if you haven't figured it out this is a two-part episode and our week's going to be done uh, but we're going to take some calls we're going to talk about Tony LaRusso's future we're going to talk about the wildness that happened in St. Louis today um, that's going to be next uh, next segment calls and then tomorrow we'll get into some of the Tony stuff but stay tuned for some more phone calls next here on Locked on White Sox Locked on White Sox is brought to you by rockauto.com. You know, there's so many different makes and models of automobiles these days. It's become impossible for your local chain store or auto parts store to stock all the parts your car is ever going to need. So why endure the pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? Well, I don't know. Uh, You wait till the person behind the counter orders the parts that only their computer has, choosing only the brands that their warehouse happens to carry. Why would you put yourself through that when you have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket? It's your phone. It's right there pick it up look at it right now see the thing with rockauto.com is not only will you save time but you'll also save money as well why choose to spend 30 percent, 50 percent, or even twice as much for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership for an example you're looking for a fuel pump right it's about 353 dollars from a chain store only 216 from rock auto rock auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers and people like me and you for over 20 years Their prices are always reliably low for every customer, do-it-yourselfers, and professionals alike. They've got everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And do us a favor, won't you? Write Locked On in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Herb, let's get back to that voicemail. We still had a lot of people. You know what? They're still mad. You know, these voicemails are still sitting here in the inbox, and these people are still upset. So let, let's let us let them get out their frustrations because they could be walking around still angry and, until their frustrations hit the public space here. They still may be angry, and they may be walking around kicking dogs or something. So uh, let, let's, let's uh, mix it up here, and uh, let's get back to I, I mentioned Christine's call. Uh, checking in from the 773. Here's Christine on the Locked on Sox voicemail, 312-566-8727. That's 312-566-8727. Hey, it's Christine, Northwest Side. I know people are going to be calling and ranting and raving about how the Sox blew it and all this other yada, yada, yada. The Astros put out the better product. They put out the better team. They put the better team on the field, and the better team won. I wanted to call and thank both of you for all the work that you did this season. It was so great having the podcast be a part of my daily routine, um, and I have really high expectations and really high hopes for next year and the years to come. I know the team's going to be can continue to be great for a long time. I hope everyone has a fantastic off season. I'm super excited to see what the Sox are going to do. And again, thank you both for all of your hard work all season. At least for me, it was really appreciated. Thanks. Thanks, Christine. Yeah, Christine, thank you. I don't know if we've heard from her all season, uh, maybe in an email, but definitely I don't remember her voice on the voicemail, but thank you so much for checking in. And I, I think uh, many valid points there, obviously us being a, a you know a good podcast, uh, but 
I think that's the most reasoned uh, call that we've that we've gotten. There's a little you could hear a little anger in there, but also some optimism for what this team is going to build on. Because uh, Stoney was on the on the score mentioning how the Sox were a better team than the team that was eliminated in Oakland in 2020, and they came back mm-hmm. with a better team. They could have been even better in 2021 than they ended up being, but they're still pretty damn good. And I think. You know, if you keep building onto this thing, I think there's a lot of reason for optimism, and I think Christine's spot on. And the Astros are straight up better in uh, in every facet. And the one a- aspect that they're not better than you, you weren't able to really get to them in that bullpen. So I think that's how uh, we're all looking at this thing. But it's a very reasoned and measured phone call from Christine right there. I agree. Yeah, she's uh, right on. I kind of like in the same vein I was on on when they got eliminated. I was mad but, you know, resigned that the Astros are just much better. But now, a couple of days later, I'm a little bit more angry, probably because of Lawrence's uh, rant he gave the other day. Man, uh, he got some fire out there for the White Sox. Ugh. Oof. Yeah. Burn the White Sox on fire. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen that, it was a couple days ago. So it's Thursday right now we're recording this. So it was Wednesday afternoon. Podcast, of course, up on 670 Score. By the way, 670 Score producers Chris Tannehill and Herb Lawrence here. You guys didn't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I started thinking about it a little bit more. I was like, God damn, man, the White Sox did play like crap the whole time. Uh, this whole series, except for like six yeah. innings in the third game. Yeah. So they're calling God, they're, like, they're calling card of the season the Houston Astros. Still. Oh, I, yeah, I really do. I'll be putting on my Red Sox pom poms. Yeah, man, like. The, the Sox, that everything that they did in the regular season, they did the exact opposite uh, in, in the postseason. You know, like that's that's how I look at it, man. Starting, built on starting pitching and power production, and even when I thought early in the year that they were going to be able to have a diverse offense and a, and a good approach with Frank Benikino, how you doing? Um, they were not able to. You know, maybe it's bad luck. You know, with all, all the singles they hit, you know, uh, all the balls that didn't find holes. You know, maybe it's just a little bit of bad luck. But you know, uh, home run production was not there, and that there's become there's like you all of a sudden you're hearing a bit of a of a philosophy shift. I still maintain that hitting home runs in the postseason is the way to win, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And but a lot of people saying you know situational hitting. Once. Well, no, situational <laughs> hitting is is a better way to go about it. You know, the in the Astros they they did a little bit of both. You know, so like that's that's a that's the bar right there. So you want to mix it up a little bit. Um, let's check in with uh, one more call here, and we got some more calls coming up tomorrow. Six three zero checking in. Hey Herb, hey Tanny, it's your boy Jay out in St. Charles. Nope. Well, fuck it. I guess we're not the best team in the American League. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, sorry, TA. Sorry, Tegna. R.I.P. IP, my shirt. Mob. Oh, he bought a shirt. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to do a lot of post-mortem on the series, the season. It was, it was 21 was fun. It was not uh, an advancement on 20, unfortunately. You need to get better in a lot of areas. Obviously, we all know that. But uh, the one thing I did want to ask you guys about, just to throw a little different wrinkle in the mix, was uh, what's your concern level on a labor strife issue in 2022 interrupting the season, delaying it, canceling it altogether, who knows, uh, lockout, strike, uh, scale 1 to 10. I'm going to start myself at a 6. haven't seen a lot of reporting on it. have no idea if there's things going on behind the scenes talked about, hopefully, Maybe there will be nothing. Maybe we'll just continue on. They'll reach an agreement, but I'm not optimistic, obviously. So just wondered what your thoughts on that were, and uh, we'll continue to rock with you guys throughout the uh, postseason. 
and looking forward to 22 or you know, maybe 23. We'll see. All right, boys. Have a good rest. Have a good show. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, this has been uh, the the elephant in the room, uh, or or as A Rod once said, uh, I think believe you said the the pink elephant in the room, um, the the lockout situation happening. Uh, you, no one's going to report on this. I don't believe during the postseason when all eyes are supposed to be on your game, uh, you know, in a positive way. But I, I heard some stuff earlier in the week, and you know, possibly after this call came in, people talking about targeting a, a May first season uh, you know regular season beginning on opening day of may 1st or something like that yeah man i am i'm not looking forward to that i don't want to sit here all off season and talk about what's going on with the cba like that's not fun right there and mm-hmm. i and i think that is a bit of a missed opportunity here with with the white Sox. and i i believe we said it in the off season yeah. last year about how they should be more aggressive because you don't know what's 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 coming in 2022 and unfortunately now we get a chance to look ahead at that. What is your level of concern uh, with, with lock the lockout? You know, I, I don't think they'll wipe the whole season out, but I think you're going to miss another chunk of baseball in 2022. If he's doing the one to ten, if I think they're gonna have a lockout as zero one is the gonna have a lockout or strike, and ten being no, I'm a one. It's gonna happen. The CBA expires on December 1st, I believe. And nothing will get done until a deadline. So the deadline in my mind is spring training. I don't think that's coming close. Like they'll maybe talk, they'll maybe him and Haw, but they're not close to what they want to do. To, you know, I'm sure the owners want to get a salary cap. That's, that's, doesn't start. The, it's a non-starter for the players. They're never going to give that up. Major League Baseball has the strongest union going in professional sports, American professional sports. They usually get what they want. We've had only that 94 strike pretty much in my lifetime. I know they had one in 81 back in the day or something like that. Yeah, But it's not very often do they have strikes or lockouts here. So because the players usually get what they want eventually and owners don't want to miss games. It's going to be contentious. Things are coming to a head. This whole situation with uh, taking years, the seven is greater than six. That's the big, I think that's the, the big meatiest issue. I think for the, for the players, I think it's going to yeah. be that it's, it's, it's an unfair system, especially when, when players are coming up sooner, yeah. And, and and they've and because of that they've skewed what someone's um, prime years are. Now all of a sudden, like if you're older, they're saying by just by definition of all the players that are they're coming up and they're young, throwing harder, faster. They've sort of priced out the the veteran players who can still play. You know, mm-hmm. like that's a huge part of this thing as well because of the unfair system of cheap labor labor for uh, six and sometimes seven seasons. Yeah, I mean, the manipulation of service time is a huge thing. We saw the contentious relationship with Chris Bryant and the Chicago Cubs. That should not have happened. If you come to an understanding, hey, Mike Holt sucks. Chris Bryant, you're going to be one of the best. I'm sure that would have started the relationship off correctly. We saw what happened with the Padres, where they seen all these relationships be affected. We're seeing one right now, a guy that we don't like, Carlos Correa. 
well, his service time was manipulated and they didn't offer him a contract that he thought he was worth when they're trying to do the extensions. And so more than likely he'll leave Houston, just like George Springer left Houston. You know, these guys are pissed off at the team that drafted them because the team that drafted them didn't do right by them and made them stay an extra year, taking one of their uh, prime making money years away from them. Yeah, they're making a lot of money, whatever people, but they can make more money. And like Chris Bryant's going to be 30 this year. Teams are going to be like, oh, he's on the other side of it, the, the uh, prime year. So maybe not, you know, that's costing him another year. If he's 29, you think a little bit differently about the guy. So, yeah, they're going to go to bat for that. And my solution is you have eight years from when you draft or sign this person. You have eight years of service. So uh, you can use that four in the minors, four in the majors. You can use one in the minors, seven in the majors. Whatever your choice is, do it whatever you want to do it. So that way you get more younger players. And if you want them to go through four years of the minors, you get them up and they're 22 and they are free by 26. So they get a second bite of the apple while they're still young. But if you draft a college player, He's 22. He's already established. You sit in four years in the minors, he'll be 26 when he's in the majors. Then he's out when he's 30. Either way, it's an equitable way where the player's not being held down when he's more than qualified to make the, the major leagues. And also, it gives the owners and the, and the team a chance to develop the player and have him for a certain amount of years. And then if you can't work out a deal with them, that player is free. After eight years, you should have a pretty good idea of who this player is or not. I mean, how long has Mike Rodolfo been with the White Sox? You know, <laughs> forever. So yeah. the, I think that's the most equitable way. Maybe the years can be down or up. I think maybe eight or seven, whatever in one number you want to land on. But there's got to be a way you can meet in the middle because I know the players are not going to go forward with more service time manipulation. All right, we'll take a quick time out. Tell you what's coming up tomorrow next here on Locked On White Sox. And Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Did you know Bet Online is back and they're better than ever? All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro, college, and football action this season. Bears got a big matchup here uh, coming up, a division rivalry, one of the great rivalries in all of sports, Bears and Packers this Sunday. We have no idea as of our recording of this show uh, the status of Justin Fields after leading the Bears to a big victory on the road in Vegas. Uh, the early lines here without knowing who the starting quarterback for the Bears who are going to be at home at noon on Sunday. Right now, Bears are currently four-and-a-half-point dogs here. So if you want to get in on that, over-under set at 45, Bet Online is the place where you want to place your action. They've got a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. And Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, 50%. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKDOWN. Football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season, like betting against the Astros. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet in all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the games start. All right, one final show here, five shows this week. Boy, this has been a long week, man, been an emotional week. But uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about uh, the rumor mill 
churning and swirling uh, about Tony La Russa's return to the White Sox. I think it's all all but a done deal here, but we'll talk about that and some of the things that happened in St. Louis and how that impacts Tony La Russa's situation, what Tim Anderson had to say, what Jose Abreu had to say about Tony La Russa. That's all coming up uh, Friday, tomorrow, on Locked on White Sox. But uh, one more to go, Herbie, and, uh, and we're done for the week here. But uh, that's all I got at this point. All right, that is Chris Tannehill. At Chris Tannehill on Twitter, me, Herb Lawrence, Echnowall23. Our show is at Lockdown Socks, Twitter, Instagram. And thank you for making Lockdown Socks your first listen every day. Lockdown Socks is free and available on all platforms, including Lockdown Socks on YouTube. For Chris, I'm Herb. Thank you for listening. We'll have part two tomorrow on Lockdown Socks.